welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. The book of John. The book of John chapter 3. There's a story that I want to start with about a man by the name of Nicodemus, a religious leader who was a Pharisee. Verse 2 says, after dark one evening, Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. He says, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know, and we have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? The story of Nicodemus. There's another story I want to share with you found in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10 says Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was another man, a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the entire region, and he had become very rich. Verse 3 says he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, Jesus said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down the tree and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and in great joy. But the people, they were displeased. He has gone to be with the guest of a notorious Sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated, which he had cheated, people of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those 
who are lost. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the people Jesus chooses. The people he chooses. We've been saying this or that. Who does Jesus choose? My biological parents did not think they could have children. Tried for a while, didn't think they could have it, so they began fostering children. Through this process, they were able to adopt my oldest sister, who named herself Angel. She was not an angel. She's great now, but was not an angel. Very shortly after they adopted her, they found out they were pregnant with me. 15 months after I was born, they had my little sister. So they went from zero kids to three kids in three years. Growing up sandwiched in between two girls was awesome because I was the favorite. They would fight about who the favorite girl was, but I knew I was the favorite. I was it. But I'll never forget my older sister, Angel. Well, first of all, so I'm six foot one, dark hair, dark eyes. My little sister, Dawn, she's probably five, eight, five, nine, dark hair, dark eyes. Angel is barely five feet tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. But I'll never forget growing up with Angel because we would be in arguments as every child does with his siblings. And Angel would look at us and she'd say, but you know what? Mom and dad, they chose me. They is stuck with you. And I remember as a kid thinking, What? She'd say it again. She said, mom and dad. I'd be like, yeah. They chose me. They got stuck with you. I didn't know what that meant. I, I, did they call? Did they, did they buy her at Walmart? Was there a number? Could we turn her back in? I didn't know. But she would repeat that over and over. Anytime things got heated, and it got heated, they chose me. I look at her, I said, yeah, and they're going to choose to whip your butt because you need it. <laughs> they used to spank her all the time. She was so bad. So bad. How can something so small be so bad? She was so bad. She's good now, but bad. But I'll never forget what that means. Remember in elementary school? Recess, right? Y'all get on the line. Teacher comes out, teacher comes out, pick captains. Me, 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 pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. If they don't pick you to be a captain, you just stand there until you are chosen. Your heart's fluttering. You like to be picked first, but you definitely don't want to get picked last. Somewhere in the middle's okay. But you remember like standing on that line? 
I mean, sometimes, depending on what you're playing, it's like, yeah, some of us in here, most of us in here, we'll be picked first for something. But there's other things that's like, yo, they ain't picking me. I'm staying here all day. The last person is not picked, right? It's like, well, I guess you gotta go there. And if you've ever been picked last, you know that feeling inside of you. There's some people that that's, that's the feeling that they get, the weight of never being chosen. When I think about being chosen, I think about the word seek. You know, seeking someone to choose them, right? What does the word seek mean? Seek simply means to search for and find someone or something. To seek it. To look for it. Earnestly. When Tim and I were in college, um, he lived in Orlando for a summer, interned. The following summer, I was seeking a girlfriend. So I said, let's go to Orlando. I heard of some pretty women in Orlando. So we came to Orlando. For some reason, somehow, he talked me into going to church on vacation. Who goes to church on vacation? So I'm like, okay, so we go to church. I'll never forget sitting over at First Baptist Orlando, massive auditorium, sitting in the pew. I don't know who's preaching. I don't know what songs, but I know there's some ladies in there. (laughs) So here I am, a college kid, and about four rows in front of me, I see her. I'm like, hey. Trying to catch a glimpse. Every once in a while, she'd turn and talk to her friend. I'd see half of her face. I'm like, if the other half matches. <laughs> mm. Lord. So I told Tim, I said, Tim, you got to find out who she is. Do you know her? He's like, yeah, I, yeah, I know her. I said, you got to introduce me. And he's like, okay. So after church, there's thousands of people. So you literally, like you can't even, so I'd lose sight of her freaking. So I find out from a friend of a friend of a friend's friend, she works at the mall. I did not know growing up in Lynchburg, cities could have more than one mall. I grew up in Lynchburg. There's one mall. So then I find out she works at American Eagle. So for the next three days, I go to every mall within 20 miles of Orlando, and I go into every American Eagle, and I'm just scoping it out. Can I help you, sir? Uh-uh, I'm good. I find out her name is Michelle Fox. Oh, yes, she was. <laughs> Can't find her. So on Wednesday, I said, Tim, you think she'll go to church? And he's like, are you wanting to go to church? I said, no, we'll go after So we show up after church, over at First Baptist, we walk into a a portable, and there she is. Oh, man. So I walk right over to her. I was too dumb to know any different, and I just said, how you doing? (laughs) 
Thursday, we celebrated 21 years of marriage. 21 years. You know, it's crazy because I was seeking her so bad. I mean, I went to the mall. I went to American Eagle. I'm like just trying to find, it's seeking urgently to find her. But you know, when I stood in front of her in that portable at First Baptist, there was still a moment where even though I was seeking her, she still had to choose me. There was still that moment as I stood there where I'm standing there thinking, oh, please choose me, <laughs> please pick me, please say yes. Seeking things, seeking things and hoping that you'll be chosen when you find it. You know, the Bible speaks so much about seeking the Bible talks about Jesus seeking us. Jesus seeks after us. He wants to find us. Numerous times in the Bible, three examples that I can give you right now. First of all, the parable of the lost sheep. In Luke chapter 15, it talks about how the shepherd, God, has a hundred sheep. If one goes missing, he will leave the 99, I think there's a song about this, right, and go find the one. Because the one is so important, he wants to seek the one. It also talks in the same chapter about the parable of the lost coin. The woman that tears apart her house because she can't find one coin. She seeks and seeks and seeks. And when she finds the coin, she rejoices. And then here, the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19.10. It specifically says, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. There is no doubt in my mind that we serve a Jesus and there is a Jesus that seeks us. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, Jesus seeks you. The Bible also talks about us seeking him. So not only is it Jesus seeking after us, the Bible speaks very clearly that we are to seek him. Some of my favorite verses about seeking him. The first verse is 1 Chronicles twenty two nineteen. It says, now set your mind and your heart to seek the Lord your God. Set your mind and your heart, seek the Lord your God. This verse I absolutely love in Jeremiah. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I love it because it's not just a, a command, it's a promise. That when we seek him, we will find him. When we seek him with all of our heart. I love what it says in Matthew. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And here it is. And all these things will be given to you as well. And then lastly, Hebrews eleven six. it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The Bible is clear. Jesus seeks us. The Bible is also clear. We are to seek him. So here we have two stories. We have Nicodemus and we have Zacchaeus. The tale of two men that could not have been more different. Look at Nicodemus. Who is Nicodemus? 
Who is Nicodemus? Nicodemus, first of all, he's a Pharisee. He's a religious, a Jewish leader. He's one of the top teachers of that time. He is well respected by everyone in that community. But he is also constantly trying to make sense of Jesus' words, which I think is absolutely amazing. Because you have a man that is literally the top of his class, the most important man in the region when it comes to things of law, of religious law. He knows it all. And in walks Jesus, and he's massively confused. He's like, now, now, but so if you, so if he tells, he just can't make sense. Everything he's known, everything he's learned, everything he thought is completely upended when Jesus shows up. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. If you grew up in church, how many of you know that song? And a wee little man was he. Zacchaeus, he was short. Ain't none of men short people, that's fine. He was short, but he was despised by the people. Nicodemus, respected by everyone. Zacchaeus, hated and despised by everyone. Why? Well, first of all, he was a wealthy tax collector. There's two things there that you need to point out. He was despised because he was wealthy, and he was despised because of how he got his wealth, being a tax collector. And how did he get his wealth? He was corrupt, and he collected more than he should have collected. So here he is the exact opposite, the exact opposite of Nicodemus. He's not loved, he's not liked, he's not respected, he's a crook. You cannot find two more different people when it comes to almost everything in their life except they had one common goal. And that one common goal was to get in front of Jesus. They both sought him out. And when I think about that, I think about how the two men, so different, could share the same goal. Who does Jesus choose? Is it Nicodemus or is it Zacchaeus? And at the end of the day, they were unaware. But they said, all I need to do is get in front of Jesus. So this morning, I want to consider a couple things with you when it comes to these two men in this two-story. Three things that I want to consider. The first one is this, their reason. Their reason. Why did these two men seek him? What was their reason well, their reason was actually pretty common. They both were curious. I believe they both lacked some understanding and they thought Jesus might bring some clarity to their situation. You look at Nicodemus and he was literally upended from what Jesus was telling him, from what he was hearing. And he's like, I don't know about this. I've got so many questions. I don't understand what he's saying. I don't do this. So Nicodemus, his reason was because he wanted clarity. Here you have Zacchaeus, 
who's despised and hated by everyone. And he says, I've heard who this man is. I just need to see him. Let me just get out in front of him. You can imagine what was stirring in Zacchaeus' heart as he went about this, saying, I don't know really who he is. I mean, I know what what he's done. I've heard the stories. You can imagine as Zacchaeus climbed that tree, in his mind, he was praying maybe something would be different if he could just get in front of him. Maybe there'd be a little bit more clarity in his life. So you have the reason. How about their approach? Their approach. How did they seek him? I love this when you look at it because you see that these two individuals, Nicodemus and Zacchaeus, they both had unique approaches. Now we look at Nicodemus and we see that Nicodemus came to him at night. He came to him at night. Now there's a lot of different reasons why he came at night. We can say that he came at night because he was embarrassed. We could say he came at night because he didn't want people to know that he didn't know, you know? Like he's supposed to know. And if he don't know, how are people gonna come to him to find out? So you can imagine that when Nicodemus approached Jesus, he was like, listen, I need to know some things, but I can't have everybody out there Know that I don't know if you know what I mean. So he sits down in front of them under the cover of darkness, hiding certain things about maybe what he truly thinks, trying to still maintain some sort of dignity and authority cloaked in complete confusion. Then you have Zacchaeus. <laughs> how, how did he approach him? Well, you can imagine, put yourself in Zacchaeus' sandals. They were very small because he was very small. And as he approached the city, or the town where, where Jesus is walking through, you can imagine what people and how people would look at him, how people would respond to him. Oh, there's that dude. There's that guy. Man, what do you want? Leave me alone. Everyone's preparing as Jesus is walking through, so the crowds are going. And you can kind of imagine Zacchaeus kind of standing in the back, and they're like, man, get away from me. Man, stop that. The way that the crowd viewed Zacchaeus. So you can imagine Zacchaeus thinking, what am I going to do? I'm not tall enough to see over the crowd. No one's going to pick me up. No one's going to help me. I'm going to have to help myself. So he went a little farther than everybody else went. I found that when you go a little farther than everybody else is willing to go, you get a little bit more than other people are willing to get. And so he goes a little bit farther down the road. He finds him a tree. Don't have to be a big tree because he won't big dude. But he climbs up in that tree. You can imagine as he climbs up in that tree, waiting. He can see the crowd coming. He can make out maybe who Jesus is in the crowd. You can imagine as that crowd is bending towards him and he's hanging on to that tree branch you can imagine people probably making fun of him of his stature look he's got to get up in a tree hey look at that dude there's that guy there's that tax collector man we hate him man I hope you fall but they both took an approach 
that would work for them. The goal was I got to get in front of him. They were both willing to do whatever it took to do that. But last is their response. I mean, they both succeeded. I mean, way to go. They both succeeded. But what did they do when they found him? You know, you look at Nicodemus and you, and you, you begin to say that through the conversation and through the even more confusion and Jesus talking to him and, and Jesus trying to explain to him, but Nicodemus not making sense of it. And it's like they're kind of talking this way and talking this way and they're trying to combine it. And it's just Nicodemus, you can imagine that his head is just like, and Jesus is trying to make it so simple and Nicodemus is not a simple man. And so he was trying to make it more complicated and he's just going back and forth at it. And as he does the whole thing, it's, it's like Nicodemus is so scared to choose him because he's so scared, he's going to lose it all. And so we have no idea. We have no idea if Nicodemus ever chose him. We know that Jesus chose Nicodemus. But there's no verse in the Bible that tells us that Nicodemus chose him. I think we learn this, that, that through the story of Nicodemus, Nicodemus had all these things he was good at, all these abilities that he had, and he tried to bring his ability before Jesus. And as he brought that ability before Jesus as a Pharisee and a religious leader and the head teacher, Jesus says, I don't need your ability, I need your availability. I've learned Jesus doesn't need our ability. He doesn't need, well, I'm good at this and I'm good at this and I'm good at this. Jesus says, I don't care. I need your availability. And I've heard preachers and pastors say this time and time again. But Nicodemus shows us that the only thing that Jesus wants when he confronts us is our availability. And Nicodemus was scared to death that if he chose Jesus that day, he would lose it all. Credibility, stature, He'd lose it all. If he admitted, he didn't know. And then you have Zacchaeus. And you look at Zacchaeus and his response. Zacchaeus climbs up in this tree. And as I stated a moment ago, these people that are walking in this, you know they're pointing. You know they're pointing. Look at that guy. Look at that tax collector. Look at that crook. Thief yelling at him, maybe throwing stuff at him. I mean, it's not, it's, 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 it's not a great place to be in. But yet when Jesus rounds the corner and he sees who everybody's pointing at in the tree, Jesus' response is different. Because everybody's calling him, Zacchaeus, everybody's calling him by his sin. And yet Jesus calls him by his name. Everyone's identifying him in a tree by the sin. And Jesus, God, knows our sin but calls us by our name. And I love this conversion because Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. You can imagine how quick he got out of that tree. He didn't shimmy, I guarantee you. 
He probably, well, he knows it's him because he called him by his name. Jesus didn't say, hey, you, or excuse me, sir. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. Everybody in that street heard it. Zacchaeus comes off that tree. He goes to his house. He takes Jesus joyfully, rejoicing, cannot believe it. And I don't know what happened in that house. I don't know how long he was in the house. I don't know what they ate. I don't know what they talked about. But I know whatever it was that happened inside that house changed everything for Zacchaeus. And he proclaimed, I am going to give half of what I own. I'm giving it away. And if I have cheated anyone, and he had cheated everyone, I'm going to pay it back four times. There is no doubt in our minds that on that day, Zacchaeus chose Jesus. You see, Nicodemus was scared he was going to lose it all. And when you look at Zacchaeus, you understand he was willing to risk it all. He said, I don't care. I need him. I want him. And there's no doubt that salvation came to that house that day. I was standing on the beach yesterday. I was talking on the phone to Tim. We always communicate right before Sunday what we're speaking on or kind of what we're, the path we're taking. We know the topic, but we always kind of check in with each other and, hey, how does this sound? Or what do you think about this? So he called me yesterday and I said, hey, let me run by you, you know, how I put it together. So we had already talked through Nicodemus Zacchaeus. And I said, Tim, you know, I'm not quite sure how I want to like end it. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, like, I'm just not quite sure. Like, like I understand what the stories are. I understand that the, the goal is to tell people that the question is not who does Jesus choose, but the question is, do we choose him? And I said, that's where I want to leave everybody, is asking our question, do we choose him? And I said, you know, it's crazy because we don't ever know if Nicodemus did, but we know Zacchaeus did. And Tim stopped me and he said, that's it right there. And I said, what? He said, that right there, that statement right there. And I said, well, hold on, what do you mean? He said, that's what people, that's what you need to ask the people. Do you want to live a life where people question who you've chosen or if you've chosen or do you want to live a life that leaves no doubt I've chosen him everything about my life is different because I chose him and so that's what I ask you today living your life with the people you live with where you live, surrounded by the people you're surrounded with at home, at work, at school. Is there a doubt in their mind who you've chosen? 
or is it clear? Because as for me and my house, we choose the Lord. So I don't know where you find yourself on this Sunday. I don't know what, what's going on. But my challenge to you today is leave no doubt. We ended our conversation yesterday with a statement that we've heard for years growing up in church world. Evangelists would always come in and preach. Evangelists were special guest preachers that would come in and share the gospel. And I don't know why they'd share the gospel like maybe the pastors didn't, so they had to bring an evangelist in. But there's all these evangelists that would come in, and the evangelist would come and he'd stand on the edge of the stage, and he'd look down and he said, do you know that you know that you know? And I remember as a kid thinking, know what? And he'd say it again. He'd say, do you know that you know that you know? And he'd come to the other side. He'd say, I'm going to say it one more time. Do you know that you know that you know? And what he's asking is this. If you were to stand before Jesus today, would you be able to look him in the eye and say, God, I chose you. I chose you. There's not a shadow and doubt in my mind. I chose you. Because we know he chose us. I shared at a funeral service here recently that knowing that you know that you know is as easy as A, B, C. So I used to teach all the kids and the students for years. It's A, B, C. How do you know that you know that you know? How can you know that you know that you know? It's easy. It's as easy as A, B, C. Admit. Admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. B. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and he rose again. And then see, choose to follow him. I've shared that story, the ABCs, with the youngest and with the oldest. I've shared them in this country and lots of countries around the world. And the only way to know that you know that you know is to admit believe and choose. And so today I ask you that question. Do you know that you know that you know? Not because of a choice your parents made, not because of a, something that a Bible teacher told you or some pastor at a different church stood up and told you, but because of a decision that you've made in your heart, in your life, to choose to follow him. Thank you for tuning into the Genesis Church podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you want to connect more with Genesis Church, you can find all of our information at www.genesischurchorlando.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando.